Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be breaking down SGA's recent news. He's going to be back. Going to be talking OKC Blue with another trade Nazi Muhammad pulled off yesterday. And then I'll round things out with a Mark Dagnalt assessment how he's done prior to the all-star break and what to look out for in these concluding 20 games or so and so wrap things up i have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings sportsbook so you do not want to miss out on that but guys opening up here with sga he's been out since january came down with an ankle sprain against the indiana pacers and he was ruled out until the trade deadline and actually the all-star break scrap that but they set that down 10 games going his way minimum and the news has just surfaced he will be back for tonight's game against the phoenix suns ends that absence at 10 games to be quite honest with you all when I heard that SGA was going to be out uh, until the All-Star break, it seemed like he'd be prolonged. It wouldn't just be a 10-game spurt. I was thinking probably 15 to 18 games just based off of what we saw last season. You had the plantar fasciitis injury where they said, you know, give it a little bit of time for reevaluation. Then they just called him off, not just for the regular season, but even into the summer. He was not able uh, to play for Team Canada uh, in order to rehab as well. So I thought that they'd play kind of the long game here. And with the Thunder rebuilding right now, they're second last in the Western Conference, fourth worst in uh, standing. So I guess fourth best when you want to go in reverse. I think that, you know, letting him get back to 110% could have been a reasonable option, and it happened last year. We're starting to see other teams also do that with some stars, so you couldn't really fault them, Um, and that's just how I thought it would be. Just kind of same deal as last season, let your star get back to health, uh, which is going to be a good thing for both parties, honestly, Um, but looks like he was good to go, and After the evaluation, they said, yeah, he's cleared to play. He will be suited up to play the Suns. They are out of Chris Paul, which is a pivotal absence for the Suns. Best team in the NBA right now. They've been playing premier basketball. He's out for six to eight weeks, and there's only seven games on tap for the regular season. So it's going to be a close call come playoff time, and it really sucks for the Suns because they have been working and they have made a really good roster this season from top to bottom Uh, but they'll have guys like Aiton and Booker for tonight's game against the Thunder and the Thunder side of things they still do have some injuries JRE he's still out Mike Muscala's gone Lou Dort he is dealing with a shoulder injury right now so you're kind of out of one of your top guys and Kenrich Williams will remain sideline that goes along with Ty Jerome as well so you end up having an injury report of five going into the game should bring some opportunities and it should keep some opportunities high for the guys that played well during SGA's absence and just breaking down the numbers here of the 10 game spurt without SGA Lou Dort was the leader in scoring this isn't really a shocker I'd say because he was shooting 17 times per game 
but he was posting 22.6 points, 4.7 boards, and 2.1 assists. Shot 36% from distance on just over 9 attempts per game. To be honest, I thought that Lou Dort was shooting in the 20s from downtown when SGA was out. Just the play of his kind of on the ball is very interesting, but a lot of those pull-up shots or just three-point shots uh, when it's not off the catch is kind of just made out of nowhere. You know, if someone's sagging off a little bit with Dort, he'll tend to pop it from those wings, like 28 to 29 feet back, like the long-range threes. He's looking to take those, uh, and that's kind of what you saw a lot. Uh, but you know, you got to see some inside presence as well from him average 6.6 foul attempts per game that put him as the leader, uh, on the thunder. And, you know, if SGA was around, it'd probably be like 10 to 12 going his way just because he's that big of a foul magnet for Dagnault's crew. But Dort did a serviceable job. He was probably not the number one option though. And the number one guy had to be Josh Giddy. He was on the brink of a breakout when SGA got injured, and truthfully, it was like that all season long. He was kind of just playing second fiddle in terms of playmaking, and it's understandable given you have SGA there, of course, but SGA goes down, and you get to see Giddy in the limelight, him as the clear-cut number one, and he passed with flying colors. 16.2 points, 9 rebounds, and and 7.5 assists for him. Both of those for rebounds and assists actually led the Thunder and the points put him second. I mean, he was the Thunder star. You look at the Madison Square Garden game, dazzling out a 28-point triple-double. You got Trey Mann out there with 30 points of his own. He was creating so many opportunities for his teammates and the way that he's able to do it. He's able to make those cross-court passes, jump passes. If he gets a high ball screen, he's looking to make bounce passes into the roller. Nobody does that. Off of those ATOs, he's one of the best in the business. He can make something out of nothing, and he does it consistently. He did it in the 10 games, and truthfully, he's done it all year. To put the cherry on top, three consecutive triple-doubles going his way heading into the Phoenix game. Dude's looking to break a record set by Oscar Robertson. So, it lets you know he's on a really good path right now. Man's climbing up the rookie ladder. I think he should be number two. No offense, Scotty Barnes, but come on. I think if you make or miss four consecutive, like three foot uh, layups, you should not be second on the rookie ladder. I don't care if you dropped a hundred points in last game. It's just unacceptable. So knock him down, put Giddy at number two. uh, And then you can see that duel for the number one spot with Evan Mobley, who has been dominant uh, in his own right. But moving from Giddy downward, Trey Mann, at number three, same situation as Giddy, where you just get to see a lot more reps and you get to see him at his best. Giddy is a playmaker. Let him play. Uh, number one option uh, coming down the court, you're going to see a lot more assists. With Trey Mann, you put him in the starting unit, he's going to put up a lot of points and he'll put it up in a jiffy. Dude averaged 14.4 points, two and a half boards, and 1.8 assists playing just around 29 minutes per game, 36% from distance, 36.8% overall. So there's not much of a discrepancy between the two zones, Uh, but man, he was killing people off the bounce. This isn't anything new with Trey, man. He's been one of the top shot creators in this draft class. Now, 
Was it expected from day one he'd be doing this? Absolutely not. When he got drafted, uh, honestly, don't quote me, but I remember on my scouting report, you know, Trey Mann had a very beautiful step back. He had a very nice floater, uh, but I didn't think he'd come along like this fast. And, you know, uh, it kind of just is due to opportunities. Like if you have Teo, you have Ty, is he going to be able to break out? And this spurt really allowed him to do so. Got him to his full potential, had 30 points on one event, had 28, I believe, had 29 actually against the Mavs not too long ago as well. So he's just churning out a ton of points. And, you know, if you want someone one-on-one in isolation, give me Trey, man, if he's hot. Like there's not that many guys on this Thunder roster where I think the isolation game is just on that next level. With Trey Mann, it's clearly there, and you don't have to be really assessing it um, any more than just face value. Just look at the combo of dribble moves. Look at what he does off the step back, and look at how he's able to do it at all three levels. Very special talent, and I hope he still gets to play significant minutes, probably as a six-man, when you have SGA back in the equation. As for number four and five here, you got Darius Baisley and Alexei Pokushevsky. I'll start with Bays. 13.9 points and 8.1 boards for him. Ended up averaging 1.2 steals, which is a nice little add-on for him. 39% from distance. And that's big for Bays. You know, he's a guy that isn't able to really stay afloat from distance. Like, inside, he's great. But off of the catch-and-shoot... You can leave him open all day. Some nights he'll go 8 for 8. Sometimes he'll go 1 for 8. And you really don't bat an eye at either. But he stayed pretty consistent here. And he's really earned his minutes back. And I think the same goes with Alexei Pokushevsky. He wasn't looking good in the G League, honestly. Like, he joined in the middle of January. Played maybe 5, 6 games. And he looked probably like the 7th or 8th best player. And... That might be sugarcoating it, honestly. His stat lines were not good. He had some highlights, just as he did in the bubble last season. But, you know, he's kind of a net negative. Like, I would have played Scotty Hobson, Melvin Frazier Jr. above him. Uh, just things like that. But he came back to the Thunder, and he's been a completely different player again. Just being super efficient. And these last 10, he's averaged 10.7 points had 6.2 rebounds and 1.7 assists, but like, just look at how he's shooting it from distance. 43.1% taking just around four shots per game. You haven't had that with Poku really since the end of last season. His sophomore campaign has not been that great uh, because, you know, you do have JRE back, you have Bays in the starting units, and everybody's healthy, like, he's not the starter just by committee anymore, and he's had to work for his minutes, this is one where he's earned him back, so keep playing him around 20-ish, I would say, see where it takes you, the blue is always a good alternate option, but I think with someone like Poku, the level of play really doesn't matter, it comes down to the number of reps because he's always going to be up and down. He's a seven footer with like 190 pounds to him. And he has a very funky way of playing. It's going to be a thing where he's really good one night and not so great on the other. I really don't think it matters. And truthfully, he's been better in the NBA uh, than he has 
with the Oklahoma City Blue thus far. So uh, take that as you will. But talking about the Oklahoma City Blue, they made another transaction. I will go into that in one second here. But first, I'll let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook and the special offer they currently have going on. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy basketball contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee? Call or text the TN red line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. But guys, continuing on with the Oklahoma City Blue news, they made a trade two days ago involving... Robert Woodard II, and Melvin Frazier Jr. I gave my thoughts on that in the last podcast. Went really in-depth on both guys, so if you want to know more about the blue or just the players, make sure to check that out. Long story short, Melvin Frazier Jr., I believe, is an NBA talent. He's been on the cusp for like a year. Uh, he had a bad year with uh, the Thunder and the Bubble, but prior to that, he's really good with the Lakeland Magic. So he needs an opportunity the Timberwolves have one extra spot on their NBA roster. The Thunder just filled all theirs with the signing of Olivier Saar. So it's a better opportunity for him. He's 25, plays the two or three. They could use some depth there. And then on the return, you get Robert Woodard II, former number 40 overall pick in the 2020 draft. Six foot six, small forward. Doesn't have a three-point shot to him, even though he did look decent uh, with Mississippi State's gives you a project piece and he's only 22 years old so you got him and you got him off of a waiver claim from Iowa and then you made the transaction so really what Nazi Muhammad did was he waited uh for Robert Woodard to sign a G League contract probably made a phone call to Iowa and you know said hey you pick him off the waivers we'll make it a deal I get a 22 year old prospect you get a 25 year old who might be worth a you know NBA look or whatever and you shake hands well he was not done dealing and he made a second trade 
a day later involving a former teammate of Robert Woodard II. Here's the breakdown. This was from Wednesday. The Blue acquired Jameis Ramsey from the Birmingham squadron for the returning player rights of Chason Randall. And this is a trade where the Thunder and Blue just got a free prospect to deal with. Chason Randall was a good player for the Blue last year, but he was only there two games, averaged 20 points, and then he signed a two-way deal with the Magic. Magic did not pick up the team option, his rights went back to the Blue, and then they were able to just trade him away for a guy in Ramsey who's 20 years old, former second round pick, and he has a lot in his back in terms of his creation off the catch or even on the ball. He has stuff to work with. So the Thunder got a free gym for pretty much nothing. Chase on, yeah, he's good, but he's 29 years old. He's been playing in New Zealand this entire season. I guess now he's looking to come back. That's why he got traded off. But the Thunder don't need 29-year-olds right now. They kind of have their situation filled at the point guard spot. You already have Xavier Simpson, and you always have guys kind of going up and down the ranks. So why not get nine years younger and get a guy that's going to be playing for you right now in Ramsey and someone that could be a pretty solid prospect for you? So this is an A-plus trade for the Blue, getting a really good prospect for nothing, like I said. So... Um, yeah, I think for the squadron, you are going to get Randall, who I think you could say is a better player than, um, Ramsey right now, but you got to remember this age difference, right? And you have to remember kind of the circumstances. The Thunder aren't looking for veterans. I think the reason they got Randall and they got Antonis Cleveland last year was due to the fact that they were just so young. They didn't have these vets and they didn't have really returning players for that G League lineup. And it worked out very well. Chason was great. Antonius was one of the top scorers. And I really think he did uh, help be that glue guy for some of the other players, such as Poku, uh, for example. But, you know, they moved on for Chason. He caught an NBA opportunity and he was a pretty serviceable backup for the Magic last year. They were injury plagued. Really, all their point guards were just injured. So put him in there. He's good. Then free agency comes around, didn't get the offer. I'd call him like the Ish Smiths of Ish Smiths. Like, he is a good fill-in prospect. And Ish Smith is that. He's a journeyman, and he's going to give you good minutes. Like 18 to 20, he'll do it for you. But then there's that second level to him where he is that Ish Smith of the Ish Smith prototype where he's well-rounded. I mean, he's going to be a great passer off of a pick and roll. He's able to hit most of his guys and his assist to turnover ratio shouldn't be a problem. But, you know, there's only so many contracts around and for people looking to get like one set skill or one set build, Randall won't check many boxes. Like he's only 6'2", 6'3", not crazy athletic. So he's just right on the outside. I think with the squadron, they might bring him over and see, you know, where they're at at the end of the year, potentially pick him up. I think that's, that's kind of the mindsets. And that's why you would use your waiver claim, because believe it or not, these waiver claims are actually pretty damn valuable in the G League. You're seeing a lot of players um, either, you know, end their contracts overseas and then make this jump 
or you're seeing the fallouts of the trade deadline. Robert Woodard and Ramsey were both waived to make room for NBA trades. So they were like the blue chip prospects of uh, this G League kind of pool when it came to waivers. And the blue somehow came out with both of them. That's ridiculous for Nazi Muhammad. And for the Thunder uh, and Blue to do that, basically loaded with like two veterans, is pretty damn ridiculous. So you got great value um, with that in general. But I want to kind of talk more on Ramsey itself outside of the situation as to where they got them. Because yeah, I mean, the way they got him was awesome. But you got to look at Ramsey because he does have uh, some nice skills. So he was the former 43 pick in the 2020 draft. Played one season for Texas Tech, averaged 15 points in the process there, Uh, but when he got picked by the Kings, he wasn't really played a lot. He's only played 32 games in the NBA thus far, he's played 20 games in the NBA G League, 12 points is his career high in the NBA, so most of what you look at comes from the G League stats. Played eight games for the Stockton Kings. Posted averages of 19 points, three and a half boards, and two and a half assists. And he ended up shooting 20 of 40 from downtown in the process. So that's a clean cut 50%. Uh, but, you know, with him, you look at him, um, this is a relatively raw prospect at only 20. I mean, there's a reason he got selected in the middle of that second round because there was some alluring potential with him. As a scorer, I think defensively, that's not really where you look at uh, with him as a prospect. But this dude has a very quick release off the catch. If you're looking to put someone in the corner, I'd probably peg Ramsey there. And then even in transition, he's able to get up there, make some nice plays, or even off the ball. Um, He has a good in and out move, good with stop and goes, so he can stop on a dime and pull up on you. And I think the Thunder and the Blue could really just use that. In terms of like how it works for the Thunder side, like I don't think Ramsey would get picked up on a two-way or a standard deal right now just because you have so many guys like that already. Like you have SGA, you have Giddy, you have Ty, you have Teo, Trey Man, you can't forget about him. And even like Vic Krejci is on the up and up in their rotation. So I don't know if there's room, but you kind of put him under an incubator put him under inspection, and if he's really good to close this season out, then that's maybe when you extend an offer, because you will have a couple guys, I would assume, go in and out at the guard spots by the next time they suit up for the tip-off next season. Same goes for Woodard, where I think like there is the potential. I'd say to a lesser extent, I'm more of a fan of Ramsey, but Woodard was a really good force around the basket for Mississippi State. He shot 42% in college, but he's only shot about 28, 29% in the G League. So there's been a major drop off. But if he gets that three ball back, he's a very well-rounded player. Good rebounder for his size, 235 pounds. So he'll absorb contact around the basket. And he's a double-double machine in the G League. You add a three-pointer to him, could make that pick-and-pop game very damn lethal. But yeah, those two for Melvin Frazier Jr., 25-year-old, who I really like. I think um, that's one where it does sting. Um, But him and then Chason Randall, who's 29 and was kind of just like a week-long blue player um, for two former second-round picks 
is insanity. And they're both sophomores. And they both came from the Sacramento Kings of all organizations. That was the entirety of their second round um, in 2020. And the funny part about this was Sacramento actually had two first or two second round picks, excuse me, in the 2020 draft. But they didn't pick the right ones, it seems like, because they waived Ramsey, they waived Woodard. But guess who they gave up on? They had the 35th pick in Xavier Tillman, moved him to the Grizz for cash considerations, and then they did the same thing again in the 50s. This came at 52 with Kenyon Martin Jr., gave him to the Rockets for a bag of potato chips. Both of those guys are pretty solid role players for their respective teams, so that's a shot in the heart for uh, all the guys in Sacramento right now. But they have Domas now. They got something going for them. I don't think they're that heartbroken about Ramsey and Woodard, but for the blue, they are getting cream of the crop prospects from the G League. If there was a G League draft, I would assume that Ramsey would be in the first round and Woodard wouldn't be too far behind just because they're that young and the Kings hardly did anything with them. I think when you kind of evaluate them as players, it's kind of resembling what Frazier Jr. had with Orlando because they saw him beasting at the G League level, but they never played him in the NBA and it just led him to a road of not being able to show his skills off. That's how things have gone with Ramsey. It's how it's gone with Woodard. They don't have the direct path to the NBA with the Thunder right now, but they will in all likelihood have ample opportunities to show that they deserve a second crack at the league. So really like these two pickups. If you guys are OKC Blue fans, the team just got even better. I mean, you're going to have Xavier Simpson and Ramsey in the backcourt, not to mention Rob Edwards is there. Justin Jaworski, or Jaworski, excuse me. I mean, he has been doing well, had 20 points earlier this week in 22 minutes. The three spot, kind of same old, same old here with Scotty Hobson, but you can play Robert Woodard down to the three spot, four spot, kind of also a toss up there. You have Jalen Horde. And then you have DJ Wilson at the five. So it's going to be a good group. You basically just picked Stockton's top two players away from them, which is sort of funny uh, to me. Um, But yeah, they'll be looking to make a playoff push and they'll be looking to get younger. Got a first round pick in the heap of that as well. G League trade deadline is officially passed now though. So that's all they're doing. But those were two very good improvements. Hate to see Melvin Frazier go, but think it's a mutually beneficial venture. Moving on though to some NBA news and Mark Dagnall in particular, I want to just do an assessment on how he's done uh, leading into the second half of NBA games. Thunder 18 and 40 right now, put some fourth and reverse standings. I don't think that the record really matters that much because they are rebuilding. They have gotten a lot of rookies on board here and they don't have a ton of returning players. It's not as bad as last year, obviously, but you know, they have some new guys in the mix. So they've had to get used to that, but you know, they've also had to play NBA level competition with a lot of rookies and a lot of potential on the line. So I think that's been good. Um, you know, looking at the win loss column, but I really want to just delve into like the opportunities and how he's done 
kind of forming this team around. And I separated it into three different categories, sort of just like tapping into the roster construction and who's getting minutes and who's not. Uh, There's no like pinpoint grade, like there's no A pluses here, but this is just kind of my analysis on everything. And you start out with roster construction. I mean, he's doing a very good job with the people at the helm. You have SGA, you have Josh Giddy as those like one and two options. Lou Dort as well has to be acknowledged here. And, you know, they've been given a lot of chances here. With SGA, he's averaging upwards of like 22, 23 points per game, still leading the NBA in drives. And off that screen, he's really given uh, like endless opportunities and there's no real constraint on that. Same goes with Lou Dort as well, where... You know, he still is leading uh, in minutes. Now, SGA is averaging like 34. Dort's around 33. But night in, night out, you know, they are given the green lights. And they're, you know, supposed to be spreading their wings out during these games. And that kind of leads to the new faces on the block. Because SGA and Dort, you know, they already had significant roles last year. You know, he's he's made a lot of time for Josh Giddy and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and with Josh Giddy, it's really not that big of a surprise, like you're picking him at number six, last season's team clearly was not at full capacity, and it's not their full form, that was like the embryo of what the Thunder should be looking like, honestly, they had a lot of areas you could kind of bolster up on, so, you know, if you're getting a lottery pick, you want to make them the center of attention, Mark has done that with Giddy. When SGA's been out, and I mentioned it earlier, Giddy has risen up to the occasion. He's looked like a star. Easily has been the best Western Conference rookie. And he's in contention for Rookie of the Year if he keeps this up. Uh, but moving on from him, Jeremiah Robinson Earl's been a bit of a surprise. Like, when he got picked, there was a lot of value attached to get him. Trading the 34th and the 36th pick to hop maybe like one or two teams. Uh, but he gets to that spot at 32 and you get him the way it looked was he'd be playing off the bench like maybe 18 20 minutes but then he just became like the fully fledged starter over Isaiah Roby and he's gotten a lot of opportunities uh, playing at the highest level with the highest caliber guys on the roster Lots of sets having him setting screens up top for SGA. Lots of pick and pops and a lot of pick and rolls for him. He is six foot eight, going on six nine at that five spot. So he is a small ball center. And Dagnalt has like played him at the four and the three, just trying to experiment more at the four than anything. But you know, letting him play in the starting unit places him in an opportunity not many other second rounders can say. Maybe like Herm Jones and Ayo Sumu. Uh, as like second rounders that are starting and he's done a pretty solid job as well and when you look at the roster like from actual roster construction not just the minute breakdown and like who's getting minutes who's not you know shooting should be at the forefront here like you get a guy who wasn't shooting that well in college in Robinson Earl but he's a solid uh at the NBA level you have SGA coming right off of averaging like 40% from distance last season. Lou Dort was looking good off the catch. You'd think that they'd be a decent team off the catch and shoot, especially given SGA is one of the top penetrators in the game, and Josh Giddy is not that far behind him. But 
they're at astronomically low numbers, like the worst we've seen in tracking. So they're shooting 32% from distance right now. Worse since 2013. That's when they began it, uh, like I talked about. But the two biggest hits are really Lou Dort and Ty Jerome. Like Lou went from shooting 36.2% off the catch to 31.2%. And Ty went from 41.2% to 29.9%. Dude fell off a cliff. You know, those like 30-foot pull-ups or 30-foot shots he's hitting are awesome, but they're not as consistent anymore, and most of his threes are actually coming off the ball now, which uh, is a bit of a new development with him. You know, Darius Baisley's someone else too, where the shot really hasn't been there through his first three seasons. He's shooting 30.8% off the catch right now. Shot well in the last 10 games, though. You just kind of have to look at him, though, like... You don't have three or four guys that I'd say can consistently shoot at the same time on the floor right now, and that's a major problem. So you need to gun after those sharpshooters. Mike Muscala is one, and I think he does clear off those problems. However, you know it's not like they're looking to play him. I think if it's between Muscala or one of the younger guys, you're going to side with the younger guy just in terms of development and giving them the reps. But you know Muscala. He might be in there when you're looking to close out a game and you want your best potential lineup. Anyways, that's the only real nitpick I have because they are developing. And I want to go into the development aspect of everything. And starts out with what he did with the guards. He's given opportunities to really all three of them. You had Trey Mann, Teo, and Ty Jerome all like fighting four minutes to open this regular season and the minutes went in Trey Mann and Ty Jerome's direction Teo was not performing well as a result he was sidelined and then he had to go play for the Oklahoma City Blue and that was deserved like that was one where everyone was given equal opportunity and the top two players won out of that competition however Teo has still had a shot he looked great last month in the G League bubble, posting like 22, 23 points per game, five and a half assists, and Dagnall favored him. He saw that he was doing well, said, you know what, you're going to get a second chance here. Throws him out with SGA's injury, and he's looked good. Um, you know, he had one game earlier where I think he had 22 points, where, you know, this man was really looking like his old self off the pick and roll, he's like bumping people with his behind, the catch and shoot was going his way, it's looking great, and he's had about two or three games since returning where you really started to see the light bulb turn back on with him, and that wouldn't have happened, um, you know, if he was really just stressing on like just Trey Mann or just Ty Jerome, you know, Dagnall's no Tom Thibodeau where Obi Toppin's not going to play or Miles McBride has looked great, but he's never played in the NBA, Dagnalt is looking to give everyone their shot, and Teo's earned it again, and he has gotten it. Same goes with Lindy Waters and Olivier Saar. They were performing at a high level with the Oklahoma City Blue. Paul Watson Jr. was not living up to the expectations he held in Toronto. He wasn't a catch-and-shoot threat, and he wasn't that great in the G League. Get a one-for-one upgrade with Lindy. He was shooting out of his freaking mind. And with Olivier... He's been a nice presence for the Blue this entire season. 
had that one nice game against the Sacramento Kings, so why not let him play on a two-way and evaluate him even further? So those two moves really stood out to me. I was happy with that, and I think the way he just played with the guards too um, was also a really, really nice pickup. And I think when you go into Lindy, go into Sar, go into guys like Teo, I mean, it tells a pattern here, and it's that the G League is a really high priority within the organization. Nine out of the 15 players on standard contracts have been assigned to the Oklahoma City Blue at some point this season. For some of them, it's nothing more than saying hi, maybe lifting a couple weights and leaving. For others, that's about the full-time gig. Look at Vic Krejci as an example of kind of how that has worked out. I think the good medium, though, is Alexei Pokushevsky, where... You know, you bring him down because he was playing bad and give him more opportunities, kind of just a fringe rotational guy. And then he's back where I think he has solidified his spot in the rotation for a little bit longer with this team. So I love that. I love the the trio you got with SGA, Dort, and Giddy. They've all been able to develop pretty damn smoothly. Same goes with Trey Mann. And the way that you've been able to kind of give everybody minutes has been a really, really nice deal for all parties involved. Now, the one little hit comes with exploring the roster, and this kind of rounds it up for me. This is where you look into all 17 prospects, and I will say for the most part, Mark Dagnall has done that, but there are some specific cases where I think he has been lacking. Main ones, you got Vic Krejci, and you have Isaiah Roby. I'll start out with Roby here just because it's a little bit more clean cut. Like, it's not that many layers to why he's not out there. But he kind of just got his role taken away from Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And with Mike Muscala and Favors there, there's no more room for him. Every time he plays, though, he seems to add a nice kick off of the bench. Doesn't matter if it's at the three, the four, or the five. He looks like a solid rotational player. But he's not been given the light of day. That's one where it kind of irks me a bit. But if you're in Dagnault shoes, who are you giving the short end of the stick to? I probably would say Isaiah Roby as well. You know, if there's injuries though, like Kenrich Williams and Lou Dort are both not playing, maybe make some rotational gymnastics to allow Roby to play in some sets. Maybe play him at a forward spot um, more often than he has because he's really just a true five right now um but expand those horizons and the same goes with Vic Krejci Vic Krejci has been an enigma like he was with the Thunder last January actually he was at home games he was going to birthday parties working out at five in the morning wasn't able to play in the summer league but he inks this four-year deal two plus two was making about 975k this year 21 year old and he's six foot eight lots of potential attached to this man great off of jump passes he's one of the better playmakers and probably the best playmaker on the blue unless you want to mention probably Xavier Simpson he's very good at kicking it out as well the thing is he's been hurt so he does have a rain check like he suffered an injury in the winter showcase final that was back end of December just came back into the fold though and Dagnall 
has been signing his way the last week or so. I think he's played maybe two or three consecutive games. Could be a fourth with Phoenix. So he's been exploring now, and that kind of gets the main one out of the way. I think with Crenshaw, I'm more high on him than I am with Roby right now, just because the way the team is built, you have a six foot eight, six foot nine point guard in Josh Giddy. SGA's there, Poku's there at seven feet tall. Round out the roster with another guy in this archetype. Crenshaw is the guy for it, and it's a very rare skill set to have at six eight, six nine, seven feet tall where playmaking is kind of that number one attribute, but it's far and away Crenshaw's top thing, but he's also a really solid cutter, and I like his catch-and-shoot game. There's a lot to work with with him, and I'm pretty high on him if he makes the jump up and if they start playing him consistently in the NBA rotations. But that kind of rounds it out with Dagnalt. I think, you know, roster construction-wise, he's done a good job playing the Stars, comes down to shooting, which might be out of his hands. That's more of a Sam Presti thing. For guys getting minutes, he's done a good job with developing those in-house. Guys like Roby and Crenshaw have sort of been on the shadows, but I think it's an overall passing grade for Mark, and it's a passing grade for the Thunder. They have made great strides this year, and they're still on the up and up. This is year two of the rebuild, and they have so many draft picks and assets at their expense. Pretty excited to see what happens, and I hope you guys are as well. As for tonight's game, also pumped up. I'll get you guys a game recap for that as soon as it breaks. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.